0: Well, good morning, Edinburgh Church. Morning. How are we? All right. Good to be here with you. Hey, if you were a, a guest with us this morning, I want to just give you a warm welcome. So glad that uh, you're here. We just hope you can kind of just sit back and relax, enjoy the rest of the service. Um, way to go, everybody, making it to church. Uh, yeah, <laughs> glad to have you. If you're watching online, glad you're tuned in as well, uh, a part of what's going on here at Edinburgh we are in a new series right now called um, A Time for a Change. Time for a Change. And the idea behind the series is, is if you're going to experience change in, in your life, you're going to experience transformation, we, we want to challenge you and get you asking that question. Like, what steps do you want to take so that you are experiencing that change in, in, in five years? That's our question for you. Where would you like to see yourself in five years from now? Maybe you would like to have a healthier fi- uh, uh, a financial situation and be experiencing more financial freedom and have less debt in your life. Maybe you would like to have a healthier marriage. Or maybe you'd just like to have a, a little more joy in, in your life and a little more joy in your heart. Where do you want to be? Well, I can tell you this. Unless you start taking steps to get there, change will not happen in, in your life. We, we don't move to, to, to chaos to order by, by simply coasting. If you're going to move from chaos to order in, in your life, you are going to have to take action. You are going to have to take steps of faith. And that's why what we're talking about this morning is so important because this morning we're talking about setting goals for your life. We want to talk about goals. Without goals, you are not going to experience the life transformation that God wants for you and ultimately become more like Jesus Christ. I remember... Probably three years ago now, my son was playing flag football, and so we showed up to where he was playing flag football, and there was a a team that seemed maybe a year younger than than Logan's team playing uh, their game. These kids were probably about six years old, and coaches out there on the field, I mean, his face is just red. He's got a vein sticking out of his neck as he is yelling at these kids just trying to herd cats, okay? By the way, if you are a coach of any kind, I have mad respect for you. You just need to know that. But this coach is out there trying to get some semblance of formation with, with his team. Eventually, he, he gets the team to somewhat line up when, when this little quarterback squeaks out a hut and hands it off to this little guy, this little running back who clearly has no idea what to do. So coach yells, run. The kid takes off, but he starts running towards his own end zone. Okay, So the coach says, no, 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 go the other way, go the other way. So the kid turns and he beelines it to the sideline, crosses the sideline where his mom is sitting, and he hands her the ball.
1: <laughs> now,
0: now we're watching this and we all think it's adorable, we're laughing. Everybody thought it was cute except for the coach. Okay. I thought the coach was about to have like a nervous breakdown out, out on the field. The problem was that this kid, uh, even though he would spend right, the rest of the game cheering on his team from the sideline, uh, he hadn't learned what, what the goal was. The, the ultimate goal, to win the game. Okay? But, but the immediate goal is, is you got to get the ball in the end zone. And you got to score more points than their team. He, he didn't know what the goal was, and so he was just running around not knowing what to do. It's cute when a six-year-old does that on a football field. It's not so cute when we do that with our lives. See, God is like that coach. He wants us to have goals in our life. He wants us to have aim and direction, to, to know where we're going in life. And so, just out of the shoot, I, I want you to, to get you thinking about different areas of your life where maybe you should be setting some godly goals. And Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe you and your spouse need to plan at least once a month where you guys invest in a babysitter and, and do a date night together where you can just talk and, and be friends. Maybe it's your finances. You need some goals. Maybe in, in a year, maybe in five years, you would like to have X amount of dollars in savings. And maybe you'd like to be out of debt. Maybe it's a spiritual goal. You'd you'd like to memorize by the end of this year 10 Bible verses that can be fighter verses in your life. Start thinking about those different areas of your life where you would like to set goals. Now, what I find is that a lot of believers seem almost to be leery towards setting goals in their life. Because I think... Maybe they think, after all, is it God in control and, you know, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, so so should we really be setting goals in our life? I I think a lot of that is prevalent today, and a lot of that confusion comes from something that James says in James 4. I want to unpack this for us a little bit before we jump into the message. In James 4, he says this, look here, you who say today or tomorrow— We are are going to a certain town and and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. It almost sounds like James is saying we shouldn't have goals in our life because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Is that what James is saying? No, no. Because look at the next verse. He says, what you ought to say, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and we will do this or that. If the Lord wants us to, we will accomplish that goal. We will have goals, and if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. We will claim out of debt, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will start having that date night. Once a month, and the funds will be there to, to pay for that babysitter. So, so, James here is not again setting goals in our lives. He wants to change our attitude, however, in how we create these goals. He really wants us to check two things. First, he wants us to check our, our heart, our motive. What, what's your motive with, with your goals? Do you have superficial motives? Because God wants you to have supernatural. Motives. If your motive is just to start a business or make lots of money, you know, so that you can spend it on yourself, so that you can go get that fancy car, so that you can go to, go to work and, and pay for that fancy car that drives you to work, where you can work all day to pay for that fancy car, that then drives you to work where you work all day to pay for that fancy that's probably not a very good motive. That would be a superficial motive. But if you saw your job as, I, I go, to, go to work, uh, not only to be a, a good example there in the workplace, but so that I can make money and be a part of funding the kingdom of God, that, that's a supernatural motive. And, and so James isn't saying here, don't make money. I'm not saying here, don't start businesses. Start businesses. Be an entrepreneur. But, but, but what's your motive in that? Does it go beyond spinning it on yourself, or does it go to, no, I want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. We, we have someone here at Edinburgh Church who, who's a leader, volunteer leader. I would love to get this person on staff. I'd love to get them on staff because they're just such a high-quality leader. They get ministry and the challenges and what it takes to do ministry. But I've asked this person many times, and, and what this person says to me is that that's not my calling. My calling is I want to be a business owner and be out there in the world where I'm able to make money because I'm able to use that money to help fund the ministry right here at Edinburgh Church, as many of you have also done. And so what I'm saying is his perspective is different. He doesn't go to work like I'm just going to make a job so that I can survive. He, he goes to work to make money, to invest in eternal things. That's a different way of looking at your, at your job. Every year I have the, the E-team, the executive team, our staff, come up with goals for our ministry. And one of our goals is we want to expand our footprint. We want to reach more people. Now, some people might interpret that and say, oh, you just want to be a big church. That's what that's about. You just want to be a big church, and maybe you just want to be a fancy church. friends. That would be a superficial motive. That's not our motive. Our motive is we want to see that next person who comes through our doors come to know Jesus Christ and receive the eternal life that we all have in his name. That's our motive. It's about reaching that next person someone's life cross over from death to eternal life. That's what we're passionate about. And so we want to be intentional. So we want to set goals because it forces and shapes the way we do ministry here so that we can reach them. And we're coming to the end of our ministry year, and June will be the end of our ministry year, and so I was asking for some stats and, and collecting some, some numbers from this last year. And friends, I, w- I was shocked. I shouldn't have been, but I was. You need to know this. In our children's ministry, we had 22 kids make first-time decisions for Jesus Christ this last ministry year. Say yes to Jesus. Yeah, we can, we can applaud them. Yeah. Some of them yeah. we were, were actually my, my kids' friends from school that <laughs> they saw make these decisions for Christ. And outside of Sunday morning, we do a bunch of youth events around here. We had nine youth say yes to Jesus for the first time. And listen to this. Right here in this worship center, we had 88 individuals say yes to Jesus for the first time. Well, that, that is something to get excited about. Okay, that's 119 people who crossed over from death to life. God's kingdom got just a little bit bigger because of the ministry happening here. That's our motive. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see lives changed. So you got to ask yourself, do, do I have a superficial motive or, or do I have a supernatural motive? James is asking us that. But here's the second thing he wants us to question. Check your head. Don't just check your motives. Check your head. Are, are you inviting God into the process of setting goals? Because if you're not, it's foolish. If you're not, it, it, it's dumb. So he says, don't just say, I'm going to go to this city but, and start this business, but I'm not going to invite God to, into it. I love what Proverbs 21, 31 says. It says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. I want you to hear that. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. Th- that means you have something you need to do. You have a part to play. You need to have goals. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. There is something we need to take action on. And so you need goals, plans, strategies. But victory, that that rests with the Lord. It's God who ultimately gives us victory. So you can't think you're just going to sit around and you're going to experience any kind of life change. You got to get the horse ready. But God God honors it when we take action. And it's he who works through our actions to ultimately give us victory and help us accomplish those goals. It would be foolish not to invite him into that. If you're a young single person, you know, and you're looking for a spouse, you you can't just stay in bed all day and and think that Prince Charming is going to just fall into your lap. And and by the way, if Prince Charming falls into your lap, tell him to get out of your lap. You're not married yet. Leave some room for the Holy Spirit. But secondly, that's probably not going to happen. You're probably going to have to take action. Many of you know Amanda Miller, our our worship pastor. She met her husband right here at Edinburgh Church by joining a community group. You're you're looking for a a spouse. Were you at the young adults gathering? If you're a young adult... Last week, did you take action? If you're looking for a spouse, join our greeter ministry. Because then you can check everybody out that's coming through these doors. All right? And you can sit behind them. How you doing, you know? You got to take action. You got to get the horse Ready? but but then you invite God into it because it's God ultimately who gives you the victory. It's God ultimately who's gonna have your eye catch that right person. It's God who's ultimately gonna bless that relationship when you meet that right person, okay? So check your heart, check your head, but I want you to hear James is saying we should have goals if the Lord wills. If he wants us to, we will live. And we will do this and that. So the question is then why? Why why do I need to have goals? That's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. Why do you need to have goals in your life? Okay, so I'm going to give you four reasons you need to have goals. Number one, because setting goals are our spiritual responsibility. I, I set goals because it's my spiritual responsibility to do so. By the way, did you realize that God has goals? God has a goal for the world, and he has plans and strategies that he is working right now for the good of the world. Ephesians 1.10 says this, Then when the time is right, God will do all he has planned, and Christ will bring together everything in heaven and on earth. That's God's goal. That's God's plan. God has goals. God has plans and strategies. Edinburgh Church is a part of that. Jesus had goals in his ministry. You'd often tell the disciples, we're going to go to this region tomorrow, and I'm going to preach the good news there. The Apostle Paul, he had goals, okay? His goals being he wanted to plant churches throughout the Roman Empire, probably the greatest church planter that's ever lived. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I don't run without a goal, and I don't box by beating my fist in the air meaning he knew what he was trying to accomplish. He wasn't just striking air. He knew what he was aiming for. Uh, you read the, Paul's letters. He wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. And it's so interesting you, because you see how he was planting churches strategically to become bases so that he could then plant churches from there strategically because his ultimate goal was he wanted to get to Rome and he wanted to preach the good news there. Paul had goals, he had plans, and he had some amazing strategies for accomplishing those goals. Friends, here's why it's your spiritual responsibility. If you don't set goals for your life, if you don't have goals for your life, other people are going to make goals for your life. If you don't know where you are going, other people are going to tell you where you should go, and you're going to be led around by your nose. When we set goals, we now know the things we need to say no to, and we now know the things we need to say yes to. Without goals, you, you won't know. Okay, If you're trying to get out of debt and, and put some money in savings, you know. I, if I have a goal to do that, I now need to say no to frivolous spending. You at least know that. Can't just buy whatever I want to buy. If, if it's yes, you know that you need to say yes to things like paying down that debt, putting, putting money away, or taking our financial peace class that we're trying to offer now once a year. That's an action step. Okay? Let me give you singles a good goal for your life, something that is God's will for your life, to remain sexually pure until marriage. That is a godly goal for your life. And, and I know many of us, you know, we failed in that area. That, that's why Jesus went to the cross That's the good news, is that we can experience forgiveness for that and and a new start. But God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to turn from that. And he wants you now to make the new goal, okay, until I'm married, we're going to remain sexually pure. So you need to say no to cohabitation. Because that is just giving your flesh the, the opportunity to tempt you to not remain sexually pure. You probably need to say yes to some accountability in your life. You probably need to say yes to sitting down with your boyfriend or girlfriend and having that conversation. Hey, from this day on, we're going to ask God to forgive us, and we're going we're to walk in sexual purity until we're married. Friends, without goals, you won't know what to say no to, and you won't know what to say yes to in life. It is your spiritual responsibility. That is the first reason we want to set goals. Goals. In our lives. Here's the number, the, the second reason we, we set goals is because, too, it stretches our faith. Goals stretch your faith, they, they will cause you and force you to trust in God in ways you've never had to trust in God. The writer of Hebrews says, and it's said in many places without faith, it is impossible to please God. God wants to stretch your faith. You might want to write this down. The size of your God will determine the size of your goals. The size of your God will determine the size of your goals. Do you have puny little goals? Because, friends, God wants you dreaming big. He wants you having big goals for your life that are going to stretch you and stretch your faith as you trust in a big God. I love what we read in Ephesians 3.20. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably, you can't even measure it, he can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is work, at work within us. I don't know about you, but I can think of, I can imagine and ask for some pretty big things. God's saying, I can do more. Do you believe that this morning? Do, do you, you believe really God does, still does miracles this morning? Yes. Do, do, you do you believe really? God can accomplish those big dreams and goals that he is putting in your heart this morning? The size of your God is going to determine the size of your, your goals. You know, many of you know this about me. Some of you might not, but I dropped out of high school my sophomore year. Um, part of it is so because I just wanted to do drugs and I just wanted to hang out with my friends. I made a total wreck of, of my life did a lot of things I regret, but, but part of that, too, was the second reason I dropped out was I, I, just, I, ne- I hated school. I, I saw no point in school and uh, just had no desire to go, so I just stopped, I stopped going. But Jesus eventually got a hold of my heart, and one of the amazing changes I noticed in my own life when I became a believer was all of a sudden I started having this hunger and this thirst for knowledge. I started having this desire to to understand how everything tied into God, what we might call a biblical worldview. And I started wanting to know about everything, every area of life. I started having this hunger and thirst for history because I started understanding that history was God's plan. It was history, his story, creation, Israel, the cross. Somehow. And so I started to want to learn history. I started reading Stephen Hawking and studying physics because even though Stephen Hawking wasn't a Christian, I would read his works and I would marvel at the God of black holes. And I would marvel at the God of the quantum realm. And just, it just opened up my eyes. And so I started having this hunger and thirst. And I know it's not everyone's hunger. I know it's not everyone's dream, but I started wanting to go to college. But here I am, this high school dropout, and schools are saying no left and right when Danielle, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, she said, you should apply to Northwestern College, what's now the University of Northwestern St. Paul. So I threw out my application, prayed about it. God, you know, is, it, would this, is this your will? You know? And then they started getting back to me and asking me for all the stuff I didn't have, like my SATs. I didn't have my SATs. I've never taken my SATs. And I'm like, there's just no, no way <laughs> this school is going to let me in. I found this out last year. Three people sat down with my application, and they debated whether they were going to let me into the school or not. They came out of that meeting because of some things that I, they had seen me doing, like I'd gone on a mission trip. Uh, uh, I had worked at a Christian summer camp. They saw I was trying. They, they took a chance on me, and they said, we're going to let him into the school And I got to tell you, Northwestern is is what changed my life. I wouldn't be standing here before you if I hadn't gone to Northwestern, but here's the crazy part. One of those three people who debated whether to let me in or not is a member here at Edinburgh Church. Can you You believe believe that? Little did that person know that over 15 years later, that student they let in would be the pastor of the church they belonged to. (laughs) Do you You see God in that? Do you think this, this is like a God who can do some pretty big things in, in, in our life? Then I got the bill, and that really stretched my faith. I'm not going to lie to you. But Northwestern College changed the trajectory of my life. That was a dream. It seemed like an impossible dream for a high school dropout. God made it happen because he can do more than we can ask or Imagine. You know, last year we wanted to, to reach a certain amount of people, and I just told you we, we saw 119 people come to know Jesus for the first time last year. We, we just raised our goal to over 200 for this year. That sounds like a, sounds like a big number. But we worship a big God, amen? amen? And we want to see this God work. This is the dream he's put in our heart. So Psalm 37.4 says this, I love it. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in God. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, friends. What an amazing promise. Because as you delight yourself in God, guess what? He starts to put those dreams in your heart. And he's gonna start to stretch your faith. And he's gonna say, do you trust me for that dream I have put in my heart as you delight in me? Delight yourself in me. And I will give you that desire I have put in your heart. It's an amazing promise. Now, that's the second reason we need goals in our life, because they're going to stretch us. The third reason we, we set goals is because goals give us something to live for. They've done a bunch of studies on this. They studied the Holocaust survivors. And one of the things that they found about, that was interesting, one of the key findings about the Holocaust survivors compared to those who didn't make it out of the Holocaust, was that the survivors were in the same living conditions as those who didn't survive, but the thing that they found helped them to survive was they had goals. They, they had something they were living for, something that they were looking forward to, and that they believed that's what helped those survivors make it out alive. Without goals in your life, you're not going to have a lot to live for. That's just a reality. Without goals in your life, you're not going to have a lot that gets you out of bed in in the morning. That's why Job says this, Job 6.11. Job, if you don't know, he he was a person. He had it all, but he lost it all. And he was writing out his thoughts, and he says this, What strength do I have left that, that I can go on hoping he's saying this to his friends, actually, but what goal, listen to that, underline that, what goal do I have that I would want to prolong my life? You don't have a goal. You you don't know what you're living for. You you don't know what you're you're aiming for. Friends, the reality is we're going to experience setbacks in life. This is why it's so important that you have long-term goals. You are going to experience setbacks that are going to stretch your faith. You're going to experience setbacks. You've got to have that long-term goal because that's what's going to help you to push through. Do you know how often as your lead pastor I think about quitting? Any ideas? Every Monday. Just about every Monday, I get something called PMS Post-message syndrome. (laughs) And I'm exhausted and I'm tired. And then you you throw in the devil and the spiritual warfare that comes in this position. And I sit there and I beat myself up over things I said. And I'm like, I just hope. I didn't say anything that's going to lead anyone away from hope, from hope in Jesus Christ, that there's a hope for their life. I'm like, God, surely you could find someone smarter and more intelligent than me to, to do this position. And fill this role. But then I think about those 119 that just said yes to Jesus. And I think about that next person who's going to walk through our doors, who needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's what causes me to say, okay, <laughs> it's time to get up and, and it's time to get going. Because God is sending us people here, people who need to hear the gospel, and I want to be ready. I am a late sleeper. If you left me to to myself, I'd be getting up at like noon. (laughs) This job gets me out of bed. I know one of the amazing things about this job. It gets me out of bed between 4 and 5 in the morning. You know know what that is? is? Because I I feel that passion. That next person who's going to come through our doors, I want to be ready. And I want to get to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is what I love about our church. We want to see people grow and come to know this living God. That's what we get to be a part of each and every week. If we don't have goals, what are we doing? We won't strategize. We won't plan. And we won't be aiming. We'll just be swinging at the air. This is why I want to challenge you. Will you join me in helping us to reach our culture? Will you? Yes. Yes. Will you? Will you join me in that, friends? Yes. Friends, (laughs) listen. Seven out of ten people on the west side of Minneapolis do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Where is the church? This is the mission Jesus gave us. Do we love them? Do we love them? God loves them. Jesus came for them. He died for them. And he said, church, you do the rest. That's what he said. We need help. We we, we need Jesus. We need the heart of Christ. And we need to be his hands and we need to be his feet. In a world that is lost, in a world that doesn't know, (laughs) in in a world that That has no hope, friends. And we, right now, in the year 2019, get to be the physical presence. That's why you realize it's part of the reason you were born. To be a part of this grand plan God has for the world. Are you going to be a part of that church? Yes. Because if you're not, not, I'm just telling you, you're going to be frustrated with me. I'm going to frustrate you because this is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Even after I have setbacks, even after I fail. All right, I'll go back to the drawing board. Lord, I'll do better next time, but give me the opportunity to tell that next person about Jesus. Let that be us, Edinburgh. And we'll change the world together. Amen? Amen. Amen, Amen. let's do it. All right, I went off script. And I, I can feel the clock ticking. When you have goals, big goals, they're going to give you something to get out of bed in the morning for. They're going to give you something to live for. I get, I get fired up. Let me get, end with this last reason, though. They, they move us from regret to real change. When you have goals in your life, they're going to move you from just living your life in regret and, to actually experiencing life transformation. There is nothing sadder than somebody who has experienced moral failure in their life or any kind of failure in their life, and then just sits there for the rest of their life and, and, and doesn't move forward. That's why the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 4, 13 and 14. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Taken hold of what? He's talking about moral perfection here, You know that, that, that perfect ideal of ourselves. He says, I haven't taken hold of it yet. Can anybody relate to that this morning? But one thing I do is I forget what is behind, and and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you didn't know this about the Apostle Paul, before he became known as Paul, before he was a believer, his name was Saul, and Saul was a persecutor of Christians. And we know in one case, in the streets of Jerusalem, he actually gave a group of people he was with permission to have this believer named Stephen stoned to death. I want you to think about that for a second. He's standing there, he's the one that gives the permission to have these men pick up these 40, 50-pound stones that they then throw at Stephen's head until bloodied and battered, Stephen dies. Okay, Paul had blood on his hands. But then Jesus got a hold of Paul's life, and and Paul changed, and he realized what he had done was wrong, and and he regretted those things that he had done as his former self. He still had consequences. We're told from some of his other letters that the the early church, they didn't trust Paul, especially early on in his ministry. He, He probably had people who were still angry with him for the things that he had done Even as he wrote the letter of of Philippians, okay? There are consequences for sin, but what does Paul say he does? I forget what was behind me, and I move on towards what's ahead. The new goal that God has for my life. Ultimately, for Paul, that was pleasing God. Specifically, he did that through planting churches throughout the Roman Empire. This This is what God wants for all of us. Not to just sit in our failures Rather, he, he wants us to turn from our sin, to, to learn from it, and then to press on towards the new goals God has in our life. If you're a Christian, you need to know this. It's not called failure. You know what you call it? Education. It's free education. Some of us are very educated in here this morning. We've learned from our failures. Amen? If you see any wisdom in your pastor, it's because I wasted years of my life. And then Jesus got a hold of my heart. And he said, Brent, I will take your past and I will use it. There are things that you can learn from. I learned from my past, the mistakes I made. That is not the way to live. That was foolishness. And now God is using me in my ministry to help people who come out of a past like that, to give them hope through the pain that comes with a past like that. Or to help people not make the mistakes I did. When we turn from it and when we learn from it, we get, we get that education. But God doesn't want you to stay in regret. He wants you to set new goals for your life that lead to real transformation change. And so I'm going to give you a homework assignment this week. Here it is. I'm going to challenge you to go home and set some goals for your life. Challenge every one of you to do that. Nothing's going to change in your life if you don't do anything with this. So just very quickly, I promise it'll be really quick. If you're taking notes, jot these things down. Five steps for setting goals this week. First, you got to pray. Starts with prayer. Invite God into the process. Ask God if there's anything he wants you to to do. If there's a goal he wants to put on your heart, if there's a dream he's putting on your heart, pray and invite God in. Number two, write down the goal. What moves something from a dream to an actual goal has a lot to do with by simply writing it down. It brings clarity to it. Write down what your goals are going to be this week. Three, establish your motive. What's your motive? Superficial motive or supernatural? Four, figure out a plan of action. You got to have a plan. Don't be foolish. Come up with a wise plan. How are you going to accomplish that goal? And then five, Nike was right. Just do it. You got to take action to make it happen. Friends, don't, don't be that kid aimlessly wandering around the football field, doesn't know where he was going. Set goals for your life so that you can experience that life change God has for you. We're going to end our service this morning with with some time for reflection. We're going to take communion together. And so while we do this, I just, this gives you some time. See, is God speaking to you? Is there any dream or goal he's putting on your heart this morning? We're going to pass the bread. We'll pass the cup. You eat, drink, whenever you feel ready. I'm not going to get back out here. But I want you to hear this. Jesus had a goal. Jesus had a goal. When he came to earth. And the Bible tells us what it was. It says Hebrews 12 two, For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. What was this joy? What was this goal? It was you that he could purchase your salvation, that he could give you the forgiveness of sin and that he could give you that new start that we all need in life so that we could spend our eternity with him. Friends, Jesus had a goal and that goal is you. Why don't you give him thanks for that this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you care for us. (laughs) Maybe that's just who you are. And I, I, I just pray, Lord, that as we pass the bread and we pass the cup, we will give you thanks that you pursued us even when we didn't know better. That you had us in mind even before we were born. That's an incredible thought. Maybe we could just spend some time this morning saying thank you, Christ. Thank you for what you did for us, that you came for sinners like us. And I know, God, there are some goals that need to be set this week and some big dreams that need to be dreamt. So would you do that in our heart as we delight ourselves this morning in who you are? We love you, and we thank you for the love you have for us and for the world. We pray this in your name. Amen.